The Wine View app is a new sponsor to Nashville Restaurant Radio, and we couldn't be more excited. This is a sommelier in the pocket of every server in your restaurant. Hiring a sommelier is expensive, and not every restaurant has the capability of doing it. Until now. The Wine View app is a psalm in the pocket of every single server. Let's talk about how it works. First, download the free app. Sign up your restaurant, and the app will pair all of your menu items with wine from your list. Servers, bartenders, and managers will have access to menu pairings at their fingertips. WineView is also accessible to your guests to help them make more decisions on their own. You know, 80% of guests say they would order more wine if it was recommended or paired with menu items. WineView is the only app guaranteed to increase wine sales in only two months. Contact Nicole Masulo to learn more about this guarantee at 615-969-5337. Think differently about your wine program, empower your servers, streamline the training process, delight guests, and sell more wine with the WineView app. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music And welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Powered by Gordon Food Service, my name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. I will be joined with Caroline Galzen here very shortly as we talk with Becca Gardner. Becca Gardner is the CEO and founder of Naked Lady Spirits. I guess they're a spirit. It's N-K-D-L-D-Y, and it is a product that is, she takes actual bourbon, actual tequila, and actual gin, and she extracts the alcohol to create a product that is really good for what it is, for not having alcohol, and I'm really excited about it. We are uh, we are featuring it at Maribel. We are, you can welcome to come join us at the Magnolia Lounge. It's dry January. We've got some pretty cool cocktails. The Mule is amazing. I'm so excited about what we're doing there. But man, are you guys uh, sticking to these New Year's tradition, New Year's resolutions? I, I've had, you know, there's so many conversations about New Year's resolutions, and are you keeping them? Should you make New Year's resolutions? Because, damn, you should just live. That. It's almost like Valentine's Day, you know. Like, if you need a day to like tell somebody you love that you love them, then you I mean right now, if you're listening to this and you're waiting for Valentine's Day, stop. Just go today and take your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever it is, take them out to eat. Do something special. Buy them flowers. Don't wait for Valentine's Day. And I kind of feel like in December, we're so wrapped up in the holidays. It's like, well, I'll wait till New Year to do it. And it's like, just do it now. Just get out there and do it. I was one who waited. I've been, I've had a bad knee and I've kind of waited and I've started hitting up the gym and it's, it's busy. I'm eating better. I'm, my resolution is to kind of get back to my 34 year old body <laughs> and be healthier uh, in the new year. And I'm doing that. I'm doing it. So hopefully you have resolutions like dry January. That's one that is big. We're going to be talking about it here today with Becca Gardner. And I want to tell you guys, there's a really cool pop-up that is happening on January the 14th. It is from the Killjoy Club and you guys should find it. It's called Killjoy underscore club on Instagram and they are hosting. It's at the loading dock. And it's ticketed only, so you've got to go buy tickets. I think they're they're pretty inexpensive, but you're going to get custom cocktails that are non-alcoholic. It is a non-alcoholic pop-up where you guys can go and drink 
non-alcoholic beers and non-alcoholic drinks, and everybody gets to hang out in a party-type bar atmosphere. However, there's no hangovers, and everybody's just going to have fun, and you make genuine decisions. It's really fun. So we talk a little bit more about that in this show, which I'm excited about, and I hope that you are able to keep your resolutions on track. We are bidding goodbye to Arnold's. Uh, if you guys heard us talk about it on our past episode, the Roundup last week, uh, Arnold's is no more, which is very, very sad. I've enjoyed watching everybody out there go visit them. There's an article written by Chris Chamberlain in The Scene, which is really, really good. And it's a, it's kind of a real, the inside scoop with Rose and Khalil and what they're doing and why they did it. And I'm so excited for them to be able to take a break. Kind of what I said in the Roundup. I was like, dude, They've got to be tired. This is They look at this more as a culmination of all of their work from what they've been able to accomplish. And I don't think Arnold's has gone forever. Now, maybe in that location, but I think we're going to see them again uh, at some point. I don't have any in, in knowledge of that. I just have this feeling that they're going to be back. They've said, they've said as much, but I, I don't think they can stay away that long. At least Khalil can't. Uh, so congratulations to them. And what an amazing run they had. I am. Um, I did not go by this past week, so I figured they're just going to be slammed. And uh, I wanted to say goodbye, but this this is the way that I'm I'm going to do it. So we love you guys, Arnold's Meat and Three, one of the Nashville institutions that is one of the greatest restaurants we've ever seen. Khalil and Rose are the definition of what hospitality is in the city, and um, so proud of you guys. Just love you guys, and um, wish you nothing but the best of luck and success in the future. Want to tell you guys, Brandon's book club is happening right now. Will Goddara and Unreasonable Hospitality is our book. We're going to be meeting on February the 8th. Go on Facebook and find the Brandon's book club group and join us. You don't have to really join. It's very loose. But if you want to join the live podcast on the 8th, that's where you need to go. And you can be on the show with us talking about Unreasonable Hospitality, what that book has meant to you. And if you haven't read it or you're curious about reading it, it is amazing. If you cannot afford a book, please DM me at Brandon underscore NRR on Instagram. And uh, I will be happy uh, with Robin's Insurance as a sponsor of our Brandon's Book Club. We will get you a book. We'll make it happen for you. We want you to be part of this. The book club is something that I I read books with my leadership team all the time, and this was just a way to open up those conversations. Maybe I can gain some new perspectives on things, and I would love to hear from you. So I've got several people excited about this. We're joining up. Uh, We're going to be doing this on February the 8th. And um, next week, next week, we're talking with Lyle Richardson. He is the COO of A Marshall Hospitality and Operationally, this dude is amazing. We had such a good conversation. A little back and forth here and there. Um, obviously, I sit down and talk to a uh, operational guy, and it's just my my favorite thing. So this is what we do. Uh, Carolina will be back for that one, and uh, lots of fun episodes coming up. So we're just really excited for 2023, really excited that you are joining us here today. So without further ado, let's jump in with Becca Gardner. All right, we are excited today uh, to welcome in Becca Gardner. She is the CEO and founder of Naked Lady. How are we doing, Becca? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Doing great. You know, excited to be here with you today. Well, we're excited to have you. Um, this is this is really fun because I've 
learned about your your company and we actually have we've started incorporating your non-alcoholic spirits at our restaurant Mare Bowl. And we have a really cool cocktail menu based around it. And it is January, so it's dry January. And um, I don't know, I just I'm so intrigued with what you guys do. Can you tell me just we'll just start off. Tell me about what you, what what you're doing. Yeah. So we make non-alcoholic distilled spirits and you know, they are meant to be used interchangeably with the quote unquote real thing. So we have a non-alcoholic whiskey, gin and tequila alternative that you can use to make your favorite cocktails just sends the alcohol. I'm holding them up to the screen right now. I actually have bottles of them here in the studio. So if you're a guest on the show and you want to come in and try these, I've got, we can make you a cocktail right here in studio. Perfect. So they're alternatives, but I think they're so fascinating because it's not, I've tried a lot of different non-alcoholic cocktails and some of them are terrible. <laughs> True. I mean, I'm serious. Like there's, as, as somebody like, in this. Like the, the actual products or the cocktails themselves or both? Okay. So this is a really good way to jump in because I think that people try whiskey alternatives and they go, this doesn't taste like whiskey. And it's like, well, it's not like, it, it, there's no alcohol in it. <laughs> Like the right. alcohol in whiskey is what makes it sure. burn. It's hot. But the you know a lot of the flavor comes from the the oak and kind of what mash bill you're using. But you're actually buying whiskey from Bardstown Distillery, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> you have products from our first run. And so for our first run, we did source um, whiskey from the Bardstown Bourbon Company. Okay. And, you know, it's interesting. The whiskey was the tricky one. We, we realized that it was really really difficult to recreate some of the flavors that somebody would expect in a bourbon or whiskey or rye um, without actually going to the source just because some of those flavors are really created through the fermentation process. So so yeah, we we start with a rye and we use this process called vacuum distillation. So essentially we are distilling using pressure, not heat so that we don't do anything to compromise the integrity of the flavors as the ethanol is extracted. So yeah, so we extract the ethanol and we're left with this kind of base, this watery base that preserves a lot of the, you know, the flavors from the tannins and the oaks. And, um, and then we build it back up a bit from there using other natural flavors. So it's really interesting because I love, like when you taste it, it doesn't have like it doesn't taste like whiskey on the front end. It doesn't hit your palate and you go, Ooh, wow, that that's, that's, it doesn't do that. And that's okay. But once you taste it, kind of the finish is like, well, there it is. There's, you get all that stuff on the finish, which works really well in a cocktail. And I think that's something that when people taste this stuff, they go, well, this doesn't, it, but you have to kind of imagine now the tequila on the other hand, when I first opened the bottle of the tequila and I smelled it, I had like flashbacks and this wave, this wave of shame that came over me. And I was like, holy shit, what did they do? This tequila is legit. Like what, what's going on there with the tequila? So, you know, similar process. I think what's interesting. So with the gin and the tequila, um, it is just a little bit less complicated to preserve some of the flavors that you would expect. And it's so funny because 
I, I think it was two nights ago, I was at a birthday party and I brought a bottle of the non-alc tequila and, and people described it as trippy, you know, cause they would take a shot. They, and I was like, Hey, this isn't meant to be, you know, enjoyed via shots, but that always seems to be the place that we go. If it's like an after hours party and, you know, people say it's trippy cause it's like, you take a shot, the burn isn't there, but everything else is. And so it's a little bit surprising to not actually feel the effect you would expect with alcohol. And you know, as you mentioned, these, you know, these products are really intended to be enjoyed in cocktails. Um, but, you know, what I, about the bad decisions? Do they come with it, too? You know, <laughs> that's that's probably a, a person to person question. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably person to person. It's so funny. I, I mean, one thing for me as a non drinker is, you know, I still wanted to be able to go to the party. You know, I'm a pretty social person. I love going to concerts. I love going out at night. And so earlier days, I was thinking like a great tagline for the company would be make better bad decisions. Um, it didn't it didn't stick, but it, the philosophy is still there. Make know? better bad decisions. Maybe make indefensible bad decisions because you don't have the excuse decisions. anymore of... Intention, intentional bad decisions. <laughs> Make intentionally bad decisions. There you go. Bad decisions. bad decisions you can own tomorrow. No, I I, I asked that question tongue in cheek, but I actually have this experiment. We did a, a happier hour uh, in cooperation with a woman named Kate Madry who has a podcast called Clearheaded. We did it at Maribel and we had all these, we had 25, 30 people show up at the restaurant and everybody's having non-alcoholic spirits. And I was just like, in like 30 minutes, is everybody going to start talking louder? And are people going to start getting like just as a placebo effect? Like, mm -hmm. is this something that could potentially happen? I just as a social experiment, I'm curious if you just replaced this tequila when people think they were drinking real tequila, would they start acting different? Well, you know? I think um, my, <laughs> my, my favorite example of this is we, um, we hosted welcome drinks at the Omni Hotel for Thurby for for Derby this past year, and the Omni Hotel is um, amazing. You know, the spot where it's beautiful. It's where the bowling alley staying. in the basement. Yeah, the it's speakeasy. Wild. wild. And in the know, Omni Hotel. This is the Omni in Louisville. In Louisville, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I've never been there. It's really cool. That sounds awesome. It's really cool, but um, there was so much traffic that we didn't have the opportunity to explain to a lot of people that it was not alc. You know, people were coming up to, you know, the bar cart, getting drinks. And, you know, it's just so funny because I think it's one of those instances where people would have expected it to be alcohol. And so you could definitely see people getting a bit more turned up, I'll say. Um, and then to see kind of the shock if on their second or third cocktail, they realized it was non-alcohol. Um, you know, it was, there was a little bit of like disappointment. I think just realizing how much of it was like self-induced, but I've certainly seen a couple instances, you know, where people definitely, you know, leaned into what it gave them permission to feel and be like. Well, it's interesting because alcohol does that. Uh, people drink because they want to lose their inhibitions because they want, mm -hmm. and, and it's psychological. Like it's a whole psychological thing. So, okay, this is intentional. I wanted to talk about what you do so that people who are listening understood, okay, cool. You have a really amazing products that you do, but let's go back to, we. Can, I don't know how far back you want to go. You were a consultant for Deloitte and you 
are how 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 long sober are you? Like four four and a half years, something like that. Four and a half years. Yeah. Four and a half years. The preface here is one of the things I want to do on the show is I want to not erase the stigma. I'd like to. I don't know. Think that's possible, but I want people who listen to hear successful people who are enjoying their life every single day who don't drink. And there's a point in your life where you decided to stop drinking. There's a lot of people out there going into a new year who are kind of like, Hey, we're doing dry January. I'm going to try this thing out. But like, there's a, there's a kernel in there where people go, I've been drinking too much. Is this a problem? What was your journey like? Well, in retrospect, I think that I was probably a high functioning alcoholic for many years. And, you know, I, I was that stereotypical, you know, kid that went to college, having been raised a little bit more sheltered and certainly, certainly had fun once I got there, you know? And I think, um, it, it's amazing to talk to kids, I, kids, I shouldn't say, but you know, folks that are in college today and around that age range, because it just doesn't seem like the objective is to like, quote unquote, black out in the same way that it was when, you know, I was younger. But I think for me, I, you know, I, I found a lot of relief in alcohol. <clears throat> I was homeschooled growing up. I felt kind of socially awkward and I was like, wow, this shit's amazing. You know, it really, <laughs> yeah. really, I mean, truly, um, it was like instantaneously, I felt like I fit in and you know, after, after college, I went to work in consulting where I did work for 10 years. And it was just one of those, one of those fields that there was a lot of drinking all the time. You know, I was really living in hotels on airplanes, taking clients out to dinner. So, you know, almost every weeknight we were drinking out, we were going out with our colleagues, our clients, et cetera. And, you know, when I look back now as a non-drinker, it's pretty impressive how much alcohol I was consuming and not really thinking that maybe that was an issue. Um, but it wasn't until about five years ago when I, and I won't get into the details of what happened, but I had like three really, really difficult things happen in my life in sequence. And I ended up just going to alcohol, um, you know, to, to not feel those feelings. So I kind of shifted from being more of a social drinker to somebody who was just kind of holed up in my apartment, frankly, ordering like wine delivery. I mean, I can't blame tech for it, but you know, it was really easy to get booze to my apartment. It's Drizzly's fault. Yeah. Without the, you know, the shame of like walking to the same liquor store all the time. And, you know, and you were in I, New York during this time. I, I was in New York. Okay. Yeah. And I just, I realized I, I was drinking at home alone and I had this one weekend when, you know, I, I had strep throat and I still was drinking, even though I was in antibiotics, because I realized I had that dependency at that point. And I ended up feeling so sick. And it was actually, you know, I say that Grace got me sober and it was somebody kind of extending a hand, but it was a friend of, or it was a, the sibling of one of my best friends. He actually was sober. And I think he'd kind of seen what had been happening with me. And, you know, he was like, you know, there are options there, you know, there are other ways. And I was like, Oh, you know, what are you talking about? I'm great. And, but I actually ended up getting sober in the program. So I went to a meeting with him and it was the first moment where I was like, Oh my God, there are other people like me. You know, I, I'm not the only person in the world who is struggling with this. And by the way, 
everybody at that meeting was like successful and beautiful. So I think there was like this shallow part of me that was like, I want to be, I want to, I want to be on what they're on, you know, or I want to have what they have. What was your, what was your preconceived kind of thought about what does it mean to go to a meeting? Like when you were at that point, you're like, I don't want to go to a meeting. If I go to a meeting, what was your, before you walked in, what did you think about that? I honestly, like, I thought it was going to be full of a lot of, I'm going to be really honest. I don't think I've ever said this before. I, I, I think I thought it was going to be a full of a lot of weirdos and losers. And I think as someone who had spent so much of their life trying to fit in, to find her place, this idea of like opting into something that was going to further other me was utterly terrifying. Um, I thought it was going to be people that weren't living their full lives, um, that maybe had been shunned for their fam- by their families for making this decision. Criminals. Yeah, exactly. And like, I met some of the coolest people I've met in my entire life in those rooms. You know, I couldn't be, I couldn't have been farther off. Um, And so I think for me, once, once I went to a meeting and realized that I didn't have to be alone in this, it was a pretty, it it, it didn't take months. It didn't take weeks. I was like, okay. And nobody judged you. You walked in and like open arms and it's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not a per, like, I'm not doing bad like these people are welcoming me no matter what I did or who I am yeah and 100 percent. and you know it just um and I remember sharing like you know my name and that I you know was one day sober and everyone just like applauding and hugging me and I was like oh my gosh this is I thought this was going to be something I was so embarrassed about but um you know I really felt community there and I think you know, I'm so grateful to the program because I did find such strong community there in, you know, the New York groups that I was a part of. And I think for me, and I'll say I'm, I'm not actively, you know, consistently going to meetings right now and I will drop in them occasionally. But I think for me, you know, the antidote was community. And I think that one of the really beautiful things that I have been able to experience over the past four and a half years is the bleeding of that community beyond the bounds of, of just these rooms. You know, I think that with the sober curious movement, with kind of a lot of the destigmatization of not drinking, it is not, it, it is now no longer something that it only feels safe to talk about in the basements of churches. You know, I, I have an employee who's also a non-drinker, you're a non-drinker, you know, it's just, it's amazing how often it comes up. Um, and I just, I think, you know, when we were talking a bit about this podcast, I was saying, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful to be, you know, sober now to be getting sober now. I think it would have been a little bit more difficult and scary, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Oh man. I tell you, and, and you said sober curious, there's a book by Ruby Warrington. Is that what you're referencing? Okay. Ruby Warrington wrote a book called sober curious and it's amazing. It's one of the, it's, what you just described, your experience was one where you went to a meeting and you needed to make a full sale change and you found community of, of support and it it helped give you the confidence to do it. And and there, there there's a there's a there's a method, there's steps that you can take that I think are the most amazing things in the world. That is not everybody's sober experience. No. There's so many like my sister is, you know, she quit drinking on her 40th birthday just as a hey, I don't I don't like hangovers and I don't like feeling this I need to drink when I go out and I'm not and so she just stopped drinking. I'm really because 
she's wanted to. And then I had a year at that point. I was almost at a year. That's right. And we would go hiking all the time. And she was like, you seem like you're doing really great without alcohol. It's not a problem. Like it's, it's pretty damn fantastic. I didn't think that you could do that. So there's a whole sober curious, but you don't have to go to meetings and raise your hand and label yourself and all these things. That, that's the path I took because that's what I needed to do. And there's a different path for every person. But if you're out there and you're kind of like, well, I don't know if I'm to this point or that point, but I really kind of want to stop drinking. The book by Ruby Warrington called Sober Curious is a great outlining of what her experience was of just, hey, I just don't want to drink anymore. Totally. And I think that, you know, again, everyone is different because I, I too have, you know, friends that I know that have, have stopped drinking and I don't think they, you know, I don't think they are alcoholics. It's more just that this was something that wasn't necessarily, you know, benefiting them any longer. Um, but I do think, you know, the folks that I know that are alcoholics identify it as, or they have alcoholic tendencies. I do think kind of the tenants of the program have been, you know, what have been most helpful for people, whether it's the program or not. And I think, you know, that's community that's doing work on yourself. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to just make that decision unless you aren't, you know, continuing to engage with other people to remind you that you aren't alone and continuing to take a deeper and closer look at yourself. And so I think for me, it's like, it's been fun because I've explored a lot of different, you know, kind of methods of doing that. And I think, you know, with like Ruby's book, you know, there's just a ton of stuff out there. Tons. My favorite Instagram pages I follow are like the, you know, sober, sarcastic, this are sarcastic sobriety and all of the different, there's just so much funny content and such great positive content out there. I think the idea of recognizing resentments and letting them go and just, just the ability to, uh, the serenity prayer I've mentioned a million times, just like the serenity to accept the things you cannot change. Like I was so consumed with shit that I couldn't control and it was <laughs> drive me crazy. And it's like, Oh, I can't control that. Oh, okay. I'll move on with the things I can. I a hundred percent. I, it's so funny. I, I was a little bit, you know, I've always wanted to be like, you know, the star suit in the class. And of course I was like doing that with AA initially, but, um, I think I also was just like, so I don't know what you're talking about. Into, <laughs> I was so like into, you know, the way that it challenged you. I was trying to get all my friends who weren't even alcoholics to do the steps. I was like, I promise you, this is going to improve your life. I promise. Like step four. If you do step four, you will, your life will, I've told my wife, I'm like, honey, you need to do step four was amazing. What is step four? Step four is, uh, you have to take a personal inventory. So what you have to literally do, and I don't know, I don't know how much we're supposed to talk about. There's traditions that you're not. Okay. My bad. (laughs) You're a hundred percent good. I love talking about this stuff, but like you have to literally write down every resentment that you've ever had in your entire life. Right. So you gotta like, and it takes weeks, months for some, like you Mm -hmm. have to, and you keep like a notebook with you. I have a notebook in the car. Like, and I write, if I have a resentment, you have to like write it down. And then you write about like how that affects you and what part of your life affects you and then how it's your fault. And then you have to like let it go or, or you have to, you know, um, make amends. You have to, to end, you have to let it go. You can't carry it. And, and that's an amazing process. I use the analogy of it's like trash, right? So when you're done with a coffee cup from Starbucks, what do you do with it? You throw it in the trash can. Do you think about that coffee cup 
tomorrow, the next day, whatever the next day. That's what resentments are. Resentments are trash. They're these things that you hold on to and you carry them with you like like trash. And eventually, over years and years and years of time, they get really fucking heavy. And they, it's yeah. burdensome to carry around all these resentments. And that's why a lot of people drink is because they're carrying around mm. all this anger and stuff in it. Drinking calms that that weight that you're carrying. So part of the process is you exercise all of those things. You write down all these resentments you have and you let them go. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, that's that's not heavy anymore. And it feels good because you don't worry and you mm-hmm. can't you can't control that stuff, but you can let it go. And you tell somebody what they are and you let them go. And it's just this amazing process where you go. Wow, everybody needs to do this. Wait a minute. And that's what she's talking about. She's like, you want to go tell everybody that you know, like, holy shit, you don't have to carry that around with you. And you meet people and you're like, why are you why are you complaining about this? That's so irrelevant in anything that you have control over. And it's 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 not a I'm better than you kind of a thing, but there's a moment in your first year where you're like, oh, I know the secret now. And it's it's and you want to share it. Interesting because it's, you know, I it, it sounds to me like when you go to therapy, you know, I've never been to A, but I've been to therapy many yeah. times. And, um, you know, I think that you guys kind of brought up an interesting point about, you know, there's a lot of people who are choosing not to drink um, who aren't necessarily alcoholics. And I think that we are so fortunate to live in a time where there is so much emphasis on health and wellness, not only your physical well-being, but your mental well-being. 100%. So there's so many people who are making these choices to improve their bodies, to improve their minds, whether it's a, you know, kind of dependency issue or not. You know, I think that it's it's so socially acceptable now to say, well, you know, I'm really into health and wellness. I'm really into fitness. I, you know, I'm very spiritual. I don't, you know, I I choose not to put bad things into my body for those reasons. Literal poison. I mean, uh, the the Huberman lab, do you ever, do you know, I'm talking about the the Huberman lab podcast. He does a whole episode about what he's, he's a scientist and he talks, it's like an hour long. It's the most, the thing has millions and millions of hits but it's what does alcohol do to your body like the actual science behind when you ingest alcohol what happens inside your body and while moderation a glass of wine here is not terrible but binge drinking and Mm -hmm. like drinking to that excess he goes through what it does to your mind what it does to your internal organs like it's a poison the poison is meant to like and it's 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 like if you eat mcdonald's every day there's a lot of stuff like that yeah yeah and And what's what certain foods do to you know how we now know things about how your gut health affects your mental health oh yeah those sorts of things it's a whole thing it is absolutely a whole thing so becca good stuff and i love that caroline is a drinker right so she's not on i mean i would say you're a drinker that you you're not (laughs) Caroline, Caroline's a drunk. I mean, well, listen, the last week over the holidays, I definitely was, um, you know, I might need to work some steps in the new year. No, I, um, I, I, I'm not sober, but I am very into my health. I am very into wellness. Um, as somebody who's worked in the restaurant industry, literally my entire life, um, my drinking now at 40 is quite different than it was at 
at 25 or even at 30 and, and 35. You know, I've gotten to the point now where just because of my age and again, you know, I, I'm, you know, want to be healthy. Um, I, I drink on occasions, like if I'm going out to dinner, we're having friends over, it's, it's some sort of an occasion, but I used to be somebody who, oh, I'm going to get home from work. I'll have my glass of wine or I'm just, you know, my night off watching TV. I'll, I'll have some drinks. I, I, I drink so much less than I did at one time in my life. And I do think it's just part of the social culture of working in restaurants. You know, what do you do when you get off work? We go have a drink together, you know? I'm going to get you on this one, Becca, because that's an amazing segue. That is like okay. the best segue ever into why we're talking to Becca today is that because drinking is such an integral part of our social fabric of what mm -hmm. we do. You know, I host, I have a restaurant that does events and every single event, there's a bar and it's, you know, a lot of, so many, so many corporations just do these different events and it's a really an excuse to go drink wine with people. I mean, they were going to watch a presentation so that we can tack, we can write this off and there's going to be a thing where I'll get together. It's all relationship building, but it's a way to get together. There's a, there's a value around drinking free drinks that you can get people to come to your things. It's so social. And I think one of the reasons, Becca, you got sober and then you're in this corporate world and everything is centered around drinking, right? Let's yeah, go into that part of the story. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. When you hear that sound, it's probably too late. You need a guy. I want to be your guy. I'm Kevin with Corson Fire and Security, and I'm a restaurant territory account manager. Do you know who's doing your inspections at your restaurant? Please reach out to me at 615-974-2932, and I'll be glad to come out and take a quick look and look at all your fire safety inspection needs. If you're building a new restaurant, we can help with that too. As far as kitchen suppression, fire extinguishers, emergency lights, we do it all. One stop, one shop. Call Kevin at 615-974-2932. Let me be your guy, Nashville. Hey, this is Jason Ellis with Nashville Supersource. We're so proud to be a sponsor for Nashville Restaurant Radio. We would love the opportunity to discuss your chemical and dish machine program with you. If you have any needs or any questions about your current program, opening a new restaurant, or just need a double set of eyes on that, we'd love the opportunity to help you with that. My number is 770-337-1143. We don't do any contracts, no minimums, weekly service to make sure that all your equipment is functioning properly. Make sure you have everything that you need. Again, my name is Jason Ellis, 770-337-1143. And then you're in this corporate world and everything is centered around drinking, right? Let's yeah, go into that part I mean, of the story. Totally. Well, it's so funny because I think I I don't think I realized how alcohol centric the environment I was in was until I stopped drinking and then feeling how abrasive it was to be a non-drinker. And it's like know, being put at the kids table at Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. I mean, or being a kid at the adults table where, you know, all the adults are staring at, why are you there? I mean, I think it, I, I, I use this example, but I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was at a dinner where, you know, maybe there were like eight, nine people seated at the table and I wouldn't drink and everybody would kind of turn to me and be like, is everything okay? 
Are you pregnant? Why are you well, and dreams? I was going to just chime in really yeah. quick and say, as, as a woman, and that's maybe a topic for a whole different time, but for people to ask if you're pregnant or to give you that look, like, it is so, so fucking rude yeah, <laughs> to it, speak it about, to talk about a woman's body, you know, it, it's just, it's crazy to me. hundred percent. And, and, you know, and I think, and I also started seeing, it's so funny, one of the bartenders that works with us. I, I asked him, like, what was the craziest event that you ever, you know, bartended at? And he was like, oh, it's always like corporate holiday parties. <laughs> I thought he was going to say it was like a rave or something. But, you know. And the boss is buying. I, I started realizing how insignificant of a portion the presentation mentioned was at these types of events. And so I think I just started feeling really quite alienated from these spaces. And it felt like it was difficult to still be a part of the culture where I was if I was a non-drinker. Um, but then, you know, at the same time, I felt like my my life outside of work was really opening up, you know, blossoming in these like incredible ways. But I still felt the edge there too, you know, when I would go out to hear, you know, my favorite band play or something. And, you know, it wouldn't be my closest friends, but the, you know, folks that were on the periphery would always be, the question, are you okay? You know, I was like, I wanted to not have to answer that question anymore, especially because I was better than ever, you know? And, and I think for me, that was really kind of the seed for wanting to do something about it. I will say I didn't, you know, out of the gate, I wasn't like, I'm going to start a non-alcoholic spirits company. I mean, honestly, at first I was like, I want to consult on, you know, how to create more inclusive environments because consulting was what I really knew. Um, And, it wasn't until I guess it was like three summers ago that I was entertaining this job opportunity in London, um, which is where, you know, Seedlip was was founded, which was really kind of the first non-alcoholic spirit. And, you know, this was one of my it was a dream job. It was a dream opportunity in the UK. And but at the same time, I was more taken by the availability of non-alcoholic options. So it was like every bar and restaurant I went to had a non-alcoholic drink section on their menu. And it was just so astonishing to me in a city like London, which I'd always associated with heavy drinking, how inclusive and comfortable these spaces felt. Like I felt like I could go anywhere with the people I was with and still have an option. And people weren't kind of like asking me why I was ordering it. And so I was like, okay, I think we have a couple problems. And I think one is a product problem. There just aren't enough of these types of products available in the U.S. And I think the other is a psychological problem where it's, you know, it almost feels in the U.S. like it's lesser, you know, in in many ways to order something non-alc. And so I think, you know, with those two observations, I was like, I want to do something about this. I want to create products that help destigmatize um, the, the decision to not to drink by making them authentic, making them kind of cool and edgy, trying to preserve as much as I can, you know, about what people might expect with a traditional spirit or cocktail. Um, and so I, you know, I think this, this company was born out of frustration as much as it was inspiration. And maybe it's the combination of those two (laughs) that was really important. I think I, th- I love I love that. I think it's really important. I think there's education and Stephanie, my sister's listening um, and she she 
posted here. She goes, I think the step should be taught in school. I agree, Stephanie. <laughs> but like the education around it is not only, and when you were saying that, like the drink menus in every restaurant, I immediately in my brain went, I mean, I've made some really amazing cocktails with your products and I'm, they're really good. And we have individual names for them, the lavender strawberry lemonade or whatever it is that it's not, I don't even want to put the name non-alcoholic around it. If you just put a zero proof menu and you put it on there when the server, like we have to educate the staff that when they, somebody at a table just says, Oh, I'll have the lavender lemonade, like the lavender electric lemonade or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And I'm just, I made that up out of thin air, yeah. but the server doesn't go, Oh, you mean the non-alcoholic one? Like that it's just a I actually just had that experience at Soho House last week. Uh, I had a friend in town and she's looking at the cocktail menu and I mean, I know this friend really wanted a a real cocktail. Um and she I was she was like, "Oh, that sounds good." I go, "I'm pretty sure that one doesn't have alcohol." And she's like, "Oh, I didn't." And this is a friend who was a bartender for many years. She didn't even realize the way the the menu was written. Yeah, I think yeah. you can have like a zero proof section that maybe says this stuff. But like when you order it at a table, you want to feel included. Like, hey, I'm just ordering. Like, can I have the off the zero proof menu? I'd like to try. Like, just order a drink like you were with everybody else. It don't have to go. You re, like that's a. Am I, am I crazy here? No, no, I get what you're saying. Like, but educating staff, and I, I don't want to get off topic, but. I wanted to kind of interject a little while ago while we were kind of talking about it for Caroline and for everybody else out there, etiquette around people. You said you were in London and it was really inclusive and you felt comfortable. Um, what are some things that non-drinkers might not realize they're doing? I mean, because when I was drinking and I was running restaurants, I would do lineup and I would have a new wine that I was, and I would say, I would pour all these little tastes of the wine and I would hand them out to the servers and I'd have somebody go, no thanks, I don't drink or I'm in recovery. And I would go, well, you need to at least smell it. Like you need to know what this thing, and I would do that. And I would like, I know you don't drink, but you can at least smell it and you can swirl it and you can look at it and you can know what it is. And I'm like, how incredibly insensitive that is to somebody who's in recovery. Like, I don't need to smell your bourbon. Like that could right. totally make me relapse. Like that's not okay. So what are some things, like, have you found anything is there around this? Like what are some things that people out there who don't drink might want to know, like, is, like etiquette wise? I think it depends on how well you know them. You know, I think, um, I think because folks like you and I are, I think very comfortable yeah. talking about non-drinking. I think it's, it's part of what we do. It's very related to what we do, but a lot of folks are not. Um, a lot of folks might be very new in their decision not to drink where those those hard things that happen that help them maybe reach the rock bottom might've been a couple of weeks or months ago, which, you know, probably, very raw. you know, they're raw. And so I think, you know, unless it's somebody you're close to, I would say like, don't ask, let them, let them bring it up. And and I think, you know, when it comes to, I mean, cause it's such a personal decision. It's such a personal decision to not drink. It, it can be made for a hundred different reasons, whether it's as you're getting older, it doesn't feel as good as your body. You have a medical condition, you're pregnant, you're an alcoholic. Like, I mean, I can't tell you, it feels like every couple of weeks I learn of a new reason. Uh, somebody's pre or postmenopausal, like 
you know, it is, it is not one group of people that are non-drinkers. And I think that yet the common denominators, it's often a deeply personal, you know, issue. Well, it's Alcoholics Anonymous for a reason. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's shame yeah. around it for a lot of people that they haven't worked through that yet. T totally. So it's like, you know, and I think for example, with the pregnancy thing, it's like, okay, maybe you're like, nine weeks pregnant why are you going to tell joe schmo oh, oh. beside you or maybe there's somebody who is not pregnant but they've struggled with fertility and it's just a very rude question i that's I, such a good example i feel like something that i actually have experienced quite a lot is a lot of times if i'm going to to like a networking event or you know maybe a some sort of like a social function but it's after work and i'm tired and i'm not drinking that day or, or whatever if i'm not drinking there will always be someone who's like, you're not drinking. Um, and, and then I'll get that look of, yeah. are you pregnant? And then I have to be like, oh God, no. Also, I don't want children. And I just, I don't know. I feel this like so weird social obligation to like talk about my like personal choices around childbearing. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I'm like, I don't want to get into that. I'm just, I'm not drinking. I worked out really hard this morning and I want to go to bed <laughs> early and like, just, I'm tired. Leave me alone. Or like, I drove here. I don't want to take an Uber home, you know, whatever. Yeah, and, and, no, 100%. And I, and I think, you know, I guess the, the response is that it's like none of your business. You know, yeah. I think that that is the- Yeah, mind your own business, approach. everybody. Mind your, you know, mind your own business. I think if somebody wants to talk about it or, you know- I think generally like you either know them well enough or they will make that opening. You know, I, I assume Brandon, you're probably someone, you know, who makes yourself available to, to talk about, you know, these types of decisions. And, of course. and I try, and, and I try to do the same. And I think, you know, on the, on the hospitality industry side of things, I, I, I can give an example. And one is like almost every restaurant I would say in Nashville um, is willing to make you a quote unquote mocktail. But I would say at still the majority of these places, it requires you asking. And, you know, the response is usually like, what flavors do you like? Or I can whip you something up. And, and I think that while that is great, I think that's a step in the right direction. I think for most people, they want the decision to not drink, to be innocuous. And I think the way you do that is by listing it on the menu in a way that doesn't bring attention so that it's not a lesser decision because, you know, it's kind of awkward when you go around the table and somebody wants a Manhattan, somebody wants a Negroni, somebody's going to have a glass of Sauvignon Blanc and you ask if they have something that is non-alcoholic and you have to engage in a two minute conversation to figure out what kind of cocktail they're going to make for you. That's a you really know, like, good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> you know, and that's like that not offering nice hospitality if you you really think about it. You know, from yeah. from the perspective of the restaurant, that's, you know, making your guests feel uncomfortable. And I think right now, in the world that we live in now, I think we, we talked earlier about just kind of like the pandemic and what it was like for a lot of people. And I said, I the benefit, we're talking about the benefits of not drinking. And I said, I feel like I won the jackpot because I stopped drinking on October the 28th of 2019. So I was like four months, five months ahead of the, I was five months in when the pandemic started. So I went the entire pandemic with no alcohol. So many people were stuck at home with a bottle of Jack Daniels. And they were like three fingers, let's go. Let's just watch movies. Let's binge uh, Tiger King and let's get wasted. And that was, a, that was a thing. And I get that, but going through the whole pandemic, I think a lot of people now have went, 
hey, my go-to for the last three years was drinking and they're tired of it. And I think there's a big movement right now of healthiness and let's be healthy. And I don't, I don't one of the things in the, the Sober Curious book she talks about is like when you drink, it alters your, your, your brain and everything in your body. It alters you to act differently. And she goes, so many people go on dates and they start a date off let's go have drinks. And she's like, it's the worst thing if you are actively looking for like a long-term partner because you're not being yourself. If you're if you're looking for a long-term partner, you wanna go into a date being authentically you. She goes, before you go to a job interview, you wouldn't say, well, I'm gonna go have a couple of drinks so I can go to this job interview. I mean, some people might. But I mean, <laughs> so, but I mean like, that's, it's a similar I, I've seen, thing. I've seen one or two. <laughs> well, sure. There's there's outliers everywhere, but it's, it's a similar kind of a thing. And I don't know, I just... um. It, it totally, yeah, I, I totally, I totally feel you there. And I think you're right. It's like, I think during the pandemic, I think a lot of people did overindulge because what else were folks supposed to do, you know? And I'm not and judging anybody. I mean, no, no. I mean, I think it was such a natural place for a lot of folks to go a comfortable place that they just didn't you know, get to experience in the context of being quarantined, you know, it's like, what does drinking mean when you suddenly can't leave your house? And I think, you know, because of that, I mean, the silver lining, like you're saying, is that I think a lot more interest in health and wellness, the sober curious movement, I think a lot of that came from a lot of the excess that happened during the pandemic. But, you know, I, I do think we're at this interesting inflection point where folks are wanting to be healthier. Um, I think some folks are realizing that they need to like, you know, look a little closely, more closely at their relationship with alcohol, whether or not they identify as an alcoholic or not. And, but now things have opened back up and people are wanting to be out and about. And so I think that, you know, the question is like, what is the hospitality industry going to do about that? Because they have a very different group of consumers than they did three years ago when things, you know, shut down or two years ago when things shut down. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of the responsibility and opportunity now is on the side of the hospitality industry because it's actually customers that, you know, are asking for these new types of options because of the things that have happened since they, you know, were last at these spots. <laughs> so we're live on YouTube right now and my sister is watching. And my sister, uh, like I said, a couple years sober, she's doing a pop-up January the 14th. I'm going to say this wrong. She's going to kill me. Uh, January the 14th. And she it's called Killjoy which is her sober pop-up. It's going to be at the oh, loading dock and um, you can get tickets now. You've, it's called look up Killjoy club on Instagram. You can find them. They're fantastic. Um, she, I asked her, I said, any thoughts on this stuff? And she said, I love to tell people why not to drink, but I don't think people should ask ever. Uh, and she said, just like you should never come in someone's body. And she said, when she goes to a restaurant, orders drinks, this is what she does. She says, sometimes I'll order club soda and cranberry and then whisper, can you make it look like a glass of rosé? And kind of wink and they nod and quietly get it for me. But like, that's a, these are like hacks that people who don't drink have to learn on how to be normal, like how to yeah. fit in in a crowd. And I don't think any of her friends are, you know, at that table are going to be like, what's wrong with you? But it, it, there's still just this weird stigma. So I love that you've created the spirit brands and that can be that what, okay. I just, I just, I think that these are fantastic. And, um, 
when you created them, the idea of having a actually putting a spirit into the drink, how does that change the dynamic? Does that make sense? Mike, Mike, do you know what I'm getting at? What dynamic? Just to make versus just a mocktail. If I did a club soda with a lime, that works. Why do I have to put a tequila alternative in there? To does that? What does it do? Because I think that it, um, for me, it's kind of like if I have so my favorite drink up until I stopped drinking was a Negroni, and you know, I think the idea that suddenly because I stopped drinking, I want to order a tropical, whatever. Okay. Heard. I I, I go, I see where you're going. It's like, I don't think that, um, you know, it's just, I think people should have the option of removing the one ingredient that is not working for them in that circumstance for whatever reason. And, and I think the other thing that we haven't really talked as much about, but I think is, is true is like all the, the moderate drinkers, like we actually have realized that we have just as many customers that aren't that, that do drink alcohol that just on some occasions don't want to drink as much. So you know, my, my fiance, when we go out to the bars here, he loves having like one or two cocktails and then he'll switch to a naked lady version of it. If he's having a third, because he does not need to have three cocktails in a row for multiple reasons. Yeah. And, and so I think there's a lot of instances where there are people that drink alcohol that just don't want to have necessarily as many, or they aren't drinking that evening. And, but they still want to have the same kind of cocktail experience that they prefer. And I, 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 as I'm saying that I'm in my brain going, well, I love non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. Like I, there's a untitled art makes a West coast IPA, which is like the best non-alcoholic beer I've ever had. And I drink that because I, I still enjoy the flavor of a beer. Like I still enjoy the flavor of tequila in a margarita. I can make a sugary margarita, but when you add this to it, it has more of the authenticity of what that drink is used to taste like it does taste like. Yeah, my husband drinks a non-alcoholic beer almost every single night because he has been a chef his whole career and just has that habit of when I come home from work, I want a beer. I love the flavor of beer, but he doesn't want to drink every night. So we always have non-alcoholic beer in the fridge. What does he drink? Does he have a favorite he likes? Yes, it's the Budweiser Zero, zero yeah. proof, whatever it's called, Budweiser Zero. I, I, I like beer, but I'm more of like a Belgian beer drinker, so I don't see myself drinking a Budweiser non-alcoholic for fun. you know what they make fun. now? They make Guinness. Non-alcoholic? There's a, oh, interesting. There's oh, a, a, I'll get a Guinness draught can, a 16-ounce Guinness tall boy that has the cartridge in it. Oh, And you cool. crack it, and it makes the little sound. You pour it in a glass, has the little cascading waterfall-looking mm. thing inside. Big thick head and it tastes just like Guinness, no alcohol. Crazy. It's, nice. It's very special. It's good to know. Okay, so I have a question and I hope this is okay to ask. This is, you this know, is kind what, yeah. of Do it. me saying I, I don't know what questions are okay to ask or not. Sometimes I don't want to be rude. Um But I guess I do have a little bit of a curiosity about, have you gotten any negative feedback from anyone in AA or in the sober community who says that these types of products can be triggering or, you know, can kind of be gateways for for people? That's a legit question. It's a legit question. And I think, um, you know, 
there are more and more non-out companies. Not all of them are founded by non-drinking founders. And I think as a non-drinker, I feel a lot of responsibility around that. And so, you know, it's something that we talk about on, you know, our website, but it's also something that I honestly generally bring up on podcasts where I say that, you know, if you're a non-drinker, it, it is a personal decision. And I recommend that people either consult their doctors if they're on the fence. Um, I think for some people it can be triggering. Um, and, you know, I actually have non-drinkers on my board who have never tasted our product, even though they've invested in the company, because they think that it is important to have these types of options, even if they think it is a little bit too close to the real thing, you know, to make them comfortable. And I mean, I, you know, I have friends that won't touch our product. Um, it really is a, a personal decision. And what I say is like, if you're on the fence and if you're nervous, it's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, sobriety is too important and too precious, but um, I think it really just depends on, on the individual. So we're going to take one more break to hear a word from our sponsors. We are supported by Robbins Insurance, an independent insurance agency known for providing customized insurance policies, sound guidance, and attentive service. Robbins is also known for delivering exceptional coverage to Nashville's restaurants and bars. Whether it's a fryer fire that sets off the sprinkler system and leaves your restaurant sopping wet on a busy Saturday night, or it's a once-in-a-decade tornado that cuts off your electricity and subsequently spoils all the food in your walk-in, Robbins has seen it all. And they know how to create policies that will get your business back on its feet as quickly as possible in the event a disaster strikes. Look, when it comes to insuring your restaurant, bar, brewery, bakery, grocery store, hotel, or whatever, you need someone who knows the industry, who understands your business, and who will create a policy that protects your space, your staff, and your concept. That's Robbins. Visit Robbins' website at robbinsins.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-S-I-N-S.com to request your insurance consultation. Once again, that's robbinsins.com. While we're talking about insurance, we can't not talk about health insurance and how important it is to offer this for your employees. Guys, healthy employees are better employees. You have improved employee retention. Happier team members means longer tenures and less training time and costs. When employees take care of their health, they're less likely to take sick days. This means a reduction in lost productivity and revenue for your business. A healthy workplace with opportunities for growth is a happy workplace. Encouraging your team's well-being will result in higher morale and better work performance. Guys, these are all things that you can get through providing health insurance for your staff. Also, if you don't have health insurance, you can sign up as an individual for health insurance through Southern Health Insurance. Guys, these guys are doing amazing things. Dan Marr wants to talk to you. Uh, his number is 832-816-8602. And in 2023, if you're not offering health insurance for your staff, it is an absolute necessity. You need to do this for your team. It's super important. Please give them a call today. Hmm. I think it's a great question. And yeah. I, I, I struggle with this. And I did not have a non-alcoholic beer for the first two years I was sober. Yeah. I was not in a place where I wanted to dip my toe in that water because it was still way too raw. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time that I had a non-alcoholic beer, I was in Asheville and we were at the Grove Park Inn with a bunch of guys. We were on like a food trip. We we're just eating a bunch of food. And we we're in the lobby of the Grove Park Inn and everybody was ordering beers. And it, I had gone two days of 
eating and watching everybody else drink while I had soda water, while I just drank, you know, Pellegrinos, which I love. Don't get me wrong. But we were in the Grove Park Inn and I went, you know, fuck it. Like, do you have a non alcoholic And she's like, we have a non-alcoholic Heineken. And I got a non-alcoholic Heineken and I was like sweating when I took the first sip. And then I was like, oh, this is delicious. Like, I forgot what a Heineken tastes like. And it absolutely ended every bit of anxiety that I had around everybody else drinking. And all of a sudden it shifted and I realized that I had done the work and I understood why I didn't drink. And I knew that it's deadly for me to drink. And I went, but this was really nice. It was really nice. And it was, it was like a warm blanket. No, that's cool. That that was like, all of a sudden I went, Oh, this isn't, I, this doesn't make me want to drink right now, but it took me two years. It took me two mm-hmm. years to build that confidence around it. And then I was like, oh, this is really cool. Then I went, I'm going to bought a bunch of, a bunch of non-alcoholic beers and I started Tesla and then I went to the liquor store and there's an entire section. Athletic brewing does so many, there's so many non-alcoholic. If you're like, I don't like O'Doul's dude, there is West coast IPAs. There's hazy, juicy IPAs. I've got some toasted oat, oatmeal stout IPAs in my fridge right now. I'm like, there's so many options out there uh, as well as non-alcoholic spirits. And I, I just, I think yours are amazing. Thank you. And, and I'll say, actually, note. that's a really good point. I, I didn't experiment with um, non-alcoholic alternatives my first year of, of not drinking for similar reasons. It was like, I didn't need anything to, you know, kind of get me off course. And so I, I think that timing could be different for everyone, but it's a really valid point. <coughs> Plus, yeah. Excuse me. Well, we actually, so at my restaurant, we have, we do have a spirit free menu that we've had for a couple of years. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm kind of getting a new appreciation for that talking to you guys, because when we started our spirit free menu, it actually came out of a marketing idea where every January we always do like a health focused menu. Like one year we did a keto menu and the last few years we've really just leaned into doing a plant-based menu where we have like 12 specialty plant-based items for people you know, hitting a reset in January. So to go along with that, a couple of years ago, he said, let's add a spirit free section because so many people do dry January. And we're thinking, you know, if we can't sell alcohol, maybe we can, you know, instead of selling a $3 Coca-Cola, we'll make a seven, $8 mocktail and, you know, get some sales up. But um, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where it came out of from us. But, you know, I guess I've never really thought about it so much in terms of, you know, people wanting to feel comfortable ordering something because, you know, while we certainly have Coca-Colas and kombuchas on that menu, we also have a seasonal spritz or a sage lemon tonic or something that someone could order. And it wouldn't seem like they weren't ordering a cocktail. It wouldn't be like, I'll have a Sprite, please. You know? Totally. Totally. And, and I love that. And I, and I just, I think that it's interesting because like the, the restaurants that we work with that have made it easy, like they either will have you know, it listed on the menu first and foremost, oftentimes not calling it a mocktail, but just maybe in a section that's like low and no. Um, One of our biggest partners has like a low and no section. And, you know, it allows people to kind of dip their toe in that, you know, territory. And it has the alcohol, you know, content of the drinks listed beside it, but it's still not completely like throwing them into necessarily like a mocktail section. And then, you know, we see a lot of success at places too that just offer non-alcoholic versions of the same cocktails, whether it's a margarita or a gin and tonic. Um, and 
And I think it's, you know, been fun for a lot of the places we've worked with to experiment with just these changes to the menus. Cause I think what they've seen is that there is this huge customer base that actually was just ordering the diet Cokes or the waters. Um, and you know, it's, it's great for the restaurants cause it brings in more business. So. My sister just, Stephanie, you should just join the show. Um, she says also non-drinkers are willing to pay for cocktails, beer, and wine. I feel super cheap when water is the only option. Yeah, like, I, I think when we think of it from stri- strictly from a business perspective, it is so smart to have the spirit-free section because, you know, I think about too, like, you know, if, if you have somebody who's normally just going to order a Coca-Cola or something like that, I have a lot of family members who are like super Baptist and just do not drink alcohol at all. So why sell, you know, a $2, $3 soda when you could sell, you know, double triple that and i think people there's a huge movement to help restaurant to, to support restaurants and like stephanie's saying like when you go out somewhere like i'm willing to spend money i want to spend money in your establishment and if i have to have water then there's a sound like i guess mm-hmm. i'll drink water but i'm not trying to be cheap but you don't have an option for me to spend money here like i want to I, i'm willing to let's go but like you've handcuffed me yeah and totally. so if you have that option for them, then it's a, yeah, well, give me that. And I can't tell you, we, we went to, um, I took my kids snowboarding a couple weeks ago and we were in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, the hotbed of Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Um, let me tell you, whew. we went to a pizza place, a little local pizzeria. And I was like, do you have any non-alcoholic beer? And she's like, no, we just have soda. And I'm like, all right, I'll do a water. Like, there it is. I guess they don't have a, it's not. Then it's prevalent in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, but <laughs> it might be someday. Not listen. We've got to get a naked lady sales rep up to Lawrenceburg. <laughs> <laughs> I know we do. We really do. Well, that's that's a, another great segue. Sales reps in Nashville. If I'm listening to this and I own a restaurant and I'm like, hell, I want to try the naked lady products. Besides going to Maribel and drinking naked lady products at my restaurant. Where, where, how would people procure this? How would they learn more about it? How would they get to taste it? Let's give some plugs here. Yeah. So, um, we, as of Monday will actually be distributed through Lippman brothers. So you can purchase us through Lippman brothers. Um, we have someone on our team that's going to be in Nashville, um, at least every other week for a few days, um, swinging by places, happy to do tastings, but, um, you can also even just message, uh, me, follow us at naked lady on Instagram NKDLDY, And, you know, if you're interested, I'll make sure to get some samples in your hands. These are, I'm holding right now are. My Caroline. samples. These are Caroline samples. And I'm sorry to say, but I will be taking them with me today. No! <laughs> these are Caroline's. I'm I'm stealing. Uh, mine are almost gone. The samples I had are almost gone. So I will be ordering from Lippman Brothers this week. Um, awesome. I've had so much fun with my bartenders. I had so much fun tasting it because it's it's actually the product tastes good. Yeah. Like it's yeah. really high quality product. And I appreciate that. I mean, it is so funny because I think like you know, the demand is there because I think there's a lot of products in the category that don't taste good. You know, there's just, there's an opportunity there. This is what people want. And I think, and you know, for us, it's like, we're happy with these products, but to be honest, like we really have this mindset similar to a lot of these not enough beers of continuous improvement. Like we're still working on things in the back end to continue to push the bar, to improve these products, to maybe even expand the product line eventually. But, um, 
you know, I don't know if it's ever going to taste the exact same to have a shot of Jameson as it is Naked Lady, but I also don't think that's necessarily the point. I think, you know, for us, it's just to make sure that people can have the cocktails they enjoy and love. And I think we're pretty close. So I think it'd be really cool if you did a Naked Lady vodka and just put water in it. <laughs> so it's so funny because it's like I think like with the tagline like make better bad decisions um we also did this run of t-shirts where on the back it said non-alcoholic vodka is water and we thought it was so funny but it was like kind of lost on people you know so we've really had to try to like manage the inside jokes as like marketing material um <laughs> but but you're right it, it would be water you know if you just like and you sold it like it's what hilarious. is this this tastes like water but like yeah, it's really it's distilled it's 12 really 1200 times and it's <laughs> yeah. it comes out it's as clear it's as clear and as pure as water and it just like became a thing yeah. you're like oh no it's a bottle you can pour it in there but it's just water like that's what it is the profit margins would be ridiculous <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> the profits would be great <laughs> great margins yes well, I, Becca, I'm so excited that you were able to join us today and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for kind of everything you're doing for the community. And I know I, I didn't get into some of the leadership that's involved with not taking your dream job and, and the, the risk of what you're doing and how you did it. I'd love to get into some of the business side of what you did next time. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. really, um, Dry January this month, if you're out there and you want to just kind of try something new, or if you're a restaurant and you want to offer some of these offerings, Lemon Brothers, you can purchase. There's a whiskey alternative. There's a gin alternative as well as a tequila alternative. Um, if somebody, they can follow you on Instagram. Yeah. So um, NKDLDY um, is our Instagram handle. And then... Um, drink nkdldy.com is is our website um you can go to that to find more information um you can send us messages there i'm i'm always pretty responsive on both um email and on the instagram so um sales rep for this area if you were to have a representative who's going to come to town who would that be That'll be Carrie Kasler, who um, I believe, so she is with us. I don't know specifically who at Lippman Brothers will be assigned, but Carrie on our team, Carrie Kasler, she's met a lot of folks in Nashville already. And that would be, you can reach out to her at Carrie at Alt Distilling. That's A-L-T distilling.com. And how do you spell her? Um, how do you spell Carrie? C-A-R-R-I-E. So it's C-A-R-R-I-E at Alt Distilling dot com yeah. okay so just wanted to get everybody out there if you're listening you're like i want to check out their stuff Lipman brothers you can contact them or you can contact carrie yeah. at altdistilling.com and um this is not the last we're going to hear from you i know that you guys are going to be you're going to take over nashville by storm i love what you're doing and um again happy new year to you happy and new year. your uh fiance congrats when are you guys getting married is that an inappropriate question <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it, he asks me the same thing. I I've been a little busy with the business, but I think maybe one day, maybe, I don't know if there's like, no, we're going to, it's a spring wedding. We're excited. I don't know. That's like I, a the thing. joke is that I realized that like, I wanted to be proposed to more than I wanted to plan a wedding. So once I, once nothing I, worse than planning a wedding. 
It's such a I'm headache. Satisfied right now, so we'll see. Well, good. Never mind. I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to ask any more inappropriate questions. No, anything's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Happy New Year. All right. Happy New Year, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks again, Becca Gardner, for joining us on Nashville Restaurant Radio. I also want to remind you guys that we are still doing our contest through the 15th, that we are going to be entering you in for a contest for Preds tickets. All you have to do is contact a sponsor. Jason Ellis was on the show from Supersource not long ago, and he has offered, if you call him and you set up before the 15th, he will give you your first order of chemicals for free. That's the biggest order you're going to do. That is a huge, huge discount, and he's looking for you to give him a call. Here's what you got to do, guys. You got to let them know that you heard them on Nashville Restaurant Radio. And if you've called anybody in the past month, make sure that you DM me at Brandon underscore NRR and let me know that you have contacted a sponsor. Whether you use them or not, just contact them. Let them know that you listen, that you heard about them, and you want to learn more. That's all you have to do. There's no commitments. It's not if you sign up for a sponsor. It's all you have to do is just call them. So we are excited. We're starting this new year off, hoping to set you up with amazing people that can set you up for success. Again, these are not only just people that pay to be sponsors. They're people that I've vetted, that I, we've, we work with, that I guarantee you will be an amazing experience. That is my goal through this podcast is to ensure that you guys are running better, more profitable restaurants, and we're doing it in an equitable way that, uh, that helps everybody. So we're really excited to partner with these folks. They're not only just vendors, they're, they're people that want to make your business better. So thank you guys so much for listening today and uh, hope that you guys are being safe out there and uh, love you guys. Bye.